And here we are. <laughs> it's Dong City time, Henry. All right. Welcome back to Dong City. Episode number 46, February 8th, 2021. Little technical difficulties, but it looks like we're up and going. So pardon us, folks. Uh, yes, I am decked out in my gear. I don't care what anyone says, but Caribbean World Series, we did not win the championship. We lost the championship to the Dominican Republic. Well-deserved. Hell of a tournament. If you needed baseball in, in your life, the Caribbean World Series was it. It was a hell of a tournament. People got jobs after it. It was exciting. It was what baseball in the Caribbean is. Um, Melvin did a wonderful job of keeping the group updated. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm Vince, I'm going to throw it to you, but I'm always repping Puerto Rico, baby. Great hats, not crazy about the uniforms, but really not crazy about anyone's uniforms. Uh, yeah, Caribbean World Series is now over. Um, and keeping with that topic, unfortunately, as we introduce here Rob Martinez, they're at the, uh, I'm guessing, bottom of your screen, our producer. I'm Vince Mercanetti alongside Henry Mon Maldonado. Um, we have uh, another rest in peace segment, this time Pedro Gomez, longtime correspondent with ESPN. Um, Pedro, always very professional, really long career with ESPN. And that's not to be understated because they've gone through several rounds of layoffs over the years. Yeah. And he was there until the end, unfortunately passes away untimely age 58, just another baseball related, you know, person that we've lost already this year in the first two months and uh, rest in peace, Pedro Gomez. Great great journalist yeah he was one of those guys that kind of you know i don't want to call him a pipe culture icon but he was a baseball icon like you saw him you knew what he was doing he was always professional always on point and i feel like the last four dong cities we've been talking about you know people dying in the sport i'm kind of over it already it's unbelievable uh just like the horrible consistency of it it's just it's just been so bad and uh, yeah, I actually worked in the international department at ESPN for a few months in, at, at a different time in my life. And Pedro Gomez and Sal Palantonio are like, those were the two guys growing up who had all the scoops and reports on like random shit. Uh, so that's how I remember Pedro. He just always had a scoop, always had a story. A lot of players reaching out, um, you know, thanking him on social media for all of the work that he's done over the years. So just like you said, Henry, every show, it seems like we are uh, unfortunately recording this. So hopefully no more. And if we do, I mean, there's guys out there like like Pete Rose and, and John Rocker and Kurt Schilling, you know, throw some, some yeah. stuff over there. Keep the good guys away, man. Seriously, give us like a, a good death, so to speak. Yeah. I, have no problem saying, I don't believe in karma, so I could definitely say things like that and not mind whatsoever. <laughs> uh, speaking of guys who probably don't believe in karma, we move into our next segment. And so you guys know, this is a very packed show. There was a lot of action the last two weeks. Oh, yeah. We promise we're not going to keep up with the two-week format much longer, probably just through February and towards the end of it. Uh, we will go back to one week, once a week. And we also will have an announcement at the end of the show as far as a show upcoming that we want to get through. But we're going to talk about some MLB updates. We have a lot of free agency signings as well as uh, some trades that took place as well as some guys who are still outstanding. So this is full wholesome baseball talk going to get us through this hour here. And we move to the biggest story of all, that is Trevor Bauer, finally made his decision, a la LeBron's decision. He is signing with the Dodgers. He's joining the favorites, um, spurning the Mets there at the end. Henry, we have two different opinions as to how this played out, but I think kind of some common ground there. So I'm going to let you go first. You tell me what your thought is on the whole Trevor Bauer saga and uh, what went down there. 
it's, it's Trevor Bauer being Trevor Bauer. I don't, you know, I know he sent out this long ass tweet apologizing to Met fans how it was handled because it was handled poorly. Poorly, it came across like he was trolling the Met fans and he apologized for it and uh, pledged some uh, some money to I think the Big Brothers and Big Sisters of New York. Look, <clears throat> he realizes how bad this looks, but this is what Trevor Bauer does. Trevor Bauer is that lightning rod, and I've always said since day one, great ceiling. But I don't think that guy is, was ever made out for a place like New York and the way these fans and the media here operates. I think the minute he got booed, the minute he got lit up in a big performance, he would hear it and he would wilt under that pressure. So going to L.A. for less money, I mean, $3 million less. If I had to play in New York and I had to play in L.A., you know, with the weather and everything, and I had to take $3 million less to go to Cali, I'm like, that's not that much of a loss. Um, the Dodgers are really, really loaded a little more than the Mets are. So I think from a team perspective, you know, he made the right choice, but uh, it just left a bad taste in my mouth and I'm not even a Met fan. So I can imagine the Met fans right now. Yeah. And several, you know, as far as the decision itself, Bauer taking slightly less money to go to LA, they're both pitcher parks. LA obviously has a superior weather to New York. Um, the Dodgers are superior to the Mets. So even though the Mets have greatly improved this winter, uh, as far as those decisions, I think it made perfect sense. Bauer's from LA. I listed actually in baseball life, the like 10 reasons that I thought it made sense for Bauer to go there. So no problem whatsoever with the decision. And as far as the decision, I keep referring to it because that was uh, what LeBron's big mistake was. Let's back up a little bit. LeBron was 23 when he made that terrible decision. Bauer really wanted something like that. Um Although I, I I always said I don't know that that was that much of a mistake on LeBron's end. Well, that money went to charity too. Like you look at it in the vacuum, not really off, a bad. Came off corny and then maybe a little classless to hold him up. Like you know, but he, like you said, he was twenty three. But I don't think it was that bad. People were watching, man. If you were a Nick fan, oh, yeah. If you were you know an LA fan, wherever you were, you knew you had a chance at this guy. They, your team was courting him. I don't think the decision was that much of a, you know, egg on. I didn't personally have an issue with it. Even back then, that was what, like 13 years ago at this point. Um, But I understand why it was in poor taste because especially because he was going to another team. Like if if he had an entire show, it was like, I'm going to go back to Cleveland. I'm being loyal. I think a lot of people would have had less issue, but to like spurn Cleveland, which at the time was like the most sympathetic sports city in the world until he came back and won that title. Um, I can understand why people thought it was in poor taste. Now, this Bauer thing, when it first happened, and we had that whole thing where he, you know, leaked the marketing stuff to the Mets and uh, to Mets fans, and it made it seem like he was going to go to the Mets. And then we were all like, that's a troll job by Bauer. That was all in terrible taste. And I was ready to rip him when we came on. But I actually do believe kind of that in-between theory that I think Bauer really I don't think he intended for that to get out, but he kind of did. And what I mean by that is that I think that what happened was he had all those things written out and it did leak. Um, But then he pulled like the, I got hacked kind of excuse. Um, I don't buy that. I think it did come out, but I really don't think it came out exactly how he wanted it to. Um, And I think he truly thought he was going to the Mets at one point in that day. Um, he, that was kind of reported not by Bauer is that for, there was like a five hour span or something where he thought he was going to the Mets cause that was the best deal. I'm guessing the Dodgers swooped in late. Bauer accidentally releases that material. Now he has to cover his tracks to go to the Dodgers. That's a theory I'm willing to believe at the end of the day. I don't really care that much. Um, I think he made the right decision and I think Mets fans were going to be angry anyway, because he didn't go there. So that's just how I see it. 
Yeah, I mean, he made the right decision team-wise, if you ask me. But again, I, I think the Mets dodged a bullet on his, on this one. I, I just, I see that guy and he'd, he'd wilt under this New York spotlight. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Bauer guy. That's no, that's no uh, surprise there. I've been following him since 2016 before he really came onto the national stage when he tore his hand with a drone in 2017 or whatever it was. Um, you know, Bauer does some stupid stuff over the years. But he is also extremely smart. And if you know his personality, if you really like gotten to know him personally through some articles, you'll know that he is uh, as much of a nerd as he is a fantastic athlete. And I said back then, if he hit free agency, he's going to go to the Dodgers. I stuck by that this entire winter. And the only reason that I knew all that was from reading that article back in 2016. He's very attracted to analytics, to spin rate to the equipment that the Dodgers knew, to the coaching staff, all of that played a factor. I think he's making the right decision. I'm a believer in his stats. I think that when he, now that he's signed this deal and he doesn't really have to think about where he's going, I think he's going to settle down and put together more consistency. Um, but I also kind of agree with you, Henry. I think this was a better setting for him. And I, we have no way of proving if he went to the Mets, he'd be worse. But I could buy that. Um, and I think being that second or third fiddle on the Dodgers, he's going to fit right in there. Dodgers are obviously the best team in baseball. They're also defending champs. It, it's a tough nut to crack over there with Bauer going there. Yeah, I, I like that team on paper. Yeah, so uh, I think this reached its its natural conclusion. It was a conclusion that makes sense all around. There's some some bad blood, I think, in how it broke down. But, um, you know, Mets get to free up some payroll for next year. It's going to be a big free agency class. Pitching's not really their issue. Uh, at least starting rotation shouldn't be an issue. So we'll see how it goes. But Bauer found his home for at least a year. I'm guessing at least two years, based on the fact he's making 95 mil or 85 million those first two years. Uh, and then year three, we'll see. If he puts back-to-back -back great seasons like he did last year in an abbreviated season, he's probably hitting free agency again, even at 31, 32 years old. But if not, he'll be there for three years. I'm just waiting for the Mets to botch the Lindor extension. That's it. Just botch it. That's the Yankees swoop in and take him. That to me is the ultimate test of new ownership. If you can extend a superstar through his prime and not some like dumb Cespedes five-year, 125 million, like you're going to get spend the big bucks on Lindor, like an eight to 10 year deal. Um, that to me is the true sign of new ownership over there. Not just one splashy winter. Cause we've seen these splashy winters before with new ownership and they've never been sustainable. Um, but we'll see that that's my, that's my barometer. I'm actually shocked it hasn't happened already. What? That they botched it? No, the extension. Oh, yeah. I, I'm kind of with you. I expected that all to happen in one offseason. I thought it would have I would get that I thought they would trade him and like two days later announce the extension. Yo, here's his 10 year deal, 300 million, call it a day. And you're really only talking about like another 10 million <laughs> on his eight, on his annual average. I mean, really, it's oh, yeah, you could, you could do it. There's a few days of instruction where you, you give him the money, but it doesn't start till next year. So you're not really affecting your current year AAV. Yeah. Yeah. If the Mets trout, trout deal was like that, they extended trout, you know, that way. So they didn't affect the current AAV. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, maybe it's the Lindor side. Maybe he wants to squeeze every last penny. Um, you know, we've seen it go both ways. Mookie Betts wanted to do that extension with the Dodgers. Manny Machado wanted to test free agency. Obviously he wasn't going to go back to, you know, to the Dodgers in that case. So we'll see. Um, yeah. As far as where he would go, obviously Yankees would be a great <laughs> selection if he did it free agency. I'm not convinced 
they're going to do that, but we'll see how Glaber Torres is at shortstop. Uh, that's a big, big piece as far as the future. Not, and not, I'm with you. I'm not optimistic not. about it. Glaber Torres is not a shortstop. Love his talent. Love yeah. his ceiling. I do not like his glove at shortstop. Well, we're both on the same page. The smartest move for the Yankees in the future after this season is Glaber at second, DJ at first, and trading right. for him. That is a no-brainer. Absolutely has to happen. We have more actually later in the show that kind of pertains to that as far as some MLB updates. But the smartest thing the Yankees could do is that move, whether it's Lindor or Seager or whoever. Obviously, the lefty is the biggest appeal for this type of lineup. Uh, we'll see. But long way to go. Mets very well may extend him. They very well may extend. I, look, I expect whoever. them to extend them. I'm just waiting for the botch, though. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's a good barometer for the Mets going forward. And speaking of barometers, <laughs> the Rockies have hit rock bottom. Oh <laughs> they are. How fast have they fallen? One step above the Pirates at this point. Um, Barely. Yeah. Barely. Rockies trade Nolan Arenado. Now, this is a first thing that, that comes to me. Randy Hammond's going to appreciate this. This is like when the Giants signed Odell Beckham to a long-term deal and then like right. – I'm out a year later. They're like, uh, <laughs> you know what? Let's trade Beckham instead. That's, that's what happened here. Except the difference is that Rockies trade Arenado because they signed him to this massive contract for pennies on the dollar. Essentially. They got very little in return. Uh, and they didn't, they have to pay 50 million. Of I was about to say they gave money to get yeah, it. Wasn't even a salary dump completely. No, so awful, awful deal. Uh, there's no way to look at that deal and say it makes sense for the Rockies. There's just none. There, nothing makes sense. At least Trevor Story is getting out of there next year. Yeah, Trevor Story will be gone. He Again, another option. Anyone who needs a shortstop, and that market's probably going to be pretty big next year. Sure, Charlie, Charlie Blackman's next to be dealt. I can see them all going. Yeah, both of those. Marquez wouldn't surprise me if he uh, he hits the yep. dead the um, deadline rumor mill this win, this summer. Jesus. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the, if you're going to trade Arenado, you're going to do a full rebuild, but I'm just waiting for the I'm Rockies to identify talent for the big. I told you so. Cause since this group was established <laughs> in 2017, since 2017, when I established this group, I kept saying then when we were in other groups, Nolan Arenado was overrated. Overrated, overrated, overrated. Great defensive player, overrated hitter. Denny spurned Team Puerto Rico, and he pissed me off even more. So he that is like one of my biggest targets. Screw him. He's overrated, and everyone is finally realizing it. There is a contingent for sure in baseball life that fully expects Nolan Arenado to fail once he goes to St. Louis and uh, isn't he will. in the anymore. So we'll see. The defense will be there, but you're not paying that much money for a defensive specialist over at third. So you better hope he has an above average bet, not just a, you know, decent bet. And uh, jury's out on that. All-time defender, meh bet. Yeah, so we'll see. Now going around, speaking of the Cardinals, you've got uh, one-time Cardinal Dexter Fowler. He has also been dealt. Um, So another trade there, I kind of, don't get i guess what are your thoughts on fowler's spot i don't get the deal they only saved 1.5 million dollars um yeah i i don't get this deal um i know there's a kid in their system they want to bring up but i just i don't get this deal for them they're not saving any money um 
you know, I'll mention the Mets here because, you know, he could have been a center field target for them short term. But I, I that trade, I'm, I've left scratching my head on that trade. It's a weird trade because of the money. Um, now, for the Angels, look at $2 million or $2.5 million, whatever the Angels get him for. $1.5 Yeah, he, he is being paid for and will be slotted for a fourth outfielder. I really believe this is just to take some pressure off Joe Adele, who didn't have a great debut um you know he had uh more an Aaron Judge debut than like a uh you know guy who comes on the scene lights the world on fire I think that Odell might start in the minors and you're gonna wait until Justin Upton gets hurt which will happen yes it will and uh and then you're gonna start start to play there so you know you have still have Trout you still have um who am I blanking on over here the Angels outfield Upton Odell yeah, you have Upton, Adele, Fowler, Otani, Trout, Otani <laughs> for like three days. <laughs> um, you so you have a lot going on there. Juan Lagares, <laughs> another guy who just got just uh, signed with the Angels. Uh, he had a hell of a Caribbean World Series and he got a contract for it. Yep. So they've got five outfielders. I think Fowler is that veteran presence who can probably help Adele once he is up, once Upton's injured, and they could both be on the same roster. And then you've also got Brandon Marsh over there, big time prospect who um, maybe can make his way to the majors. I don't know how the minor is going to work yet. I'm and, all in uh, on, on Adele. I think that kid is everything he's expected yeah. to be. Um, I'm a big, I like both of them. I, I, I would have went with prospects. I, I would have went with Adele, honestly. And, and I don't say, I don't know if you move Mike Trout over. I think you, you have the discussion with him. Hey, you know, play right field, you know, lengthen yourself a little bit, give your body some time. And you, you know, Adele's a better defender, but I just how many outfield? How many angels can they out? They have any outfield? Yeah, it's uh, it's Fowler's definitely just just a depth move, um, and he's being paid like it. So I mean, from the Angels, I don't really have a problem with it. I don't get it from the Cardinals' standpoint because they're basically paying him to go away. Yeah. And you know, as as much as you got like Lane Thomas over there as outfield depth, I just don't get it. Um, that's a team who could theoretically win their division. And you're putting a bat like Fowler out there. I mean, he's not great anymore, but still you're paying for him to go away. It doesn't make any sense. They just took some of that money the Rockies gave them and just paid. Uh, yeah. Paid. It was basically like, well, we have it. So here to like, take them. <laughs> so you're not maximizing your value that way. And Don said, he's all about maximizing your value as evidenced by our feelings on the Marcus Stroman trade. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah. So Arenado from Rockies to Cardinals, Fowler from Cardinals to Angels. Lagaris to Angels. We'll stay on the Angels for one more topic, kind of moving around here. They extend uh, Otani two years. What was it? Eight million? 8.5. 8.5. 8. 8.5. Two years, 8.5. This stuff always confuses baseball fans, and I never understand why. It's, I don't get it. it. <laughs> I always go back to the Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's last two years of ARB, they like agreed on like a two-year $40 million contract. And all the headlines I saw and comments from fans were like, guess he's not hitting free agency. That He signed a deal with the Nationals. I'm like, dude, he was going to go to the Nationals anyway. All they did was agree to a controlled amount of money. And I that's think what's we, happening here. We should have an episode just explaining how the hell arbitration works. Yeah, just be thrilling. That would remind me of Mike Francesa reading about the uh, Bernie Madoff scandal just straight out of a book for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i'm all game for it but i mean the, the people who need to listen to that will not tune in and listen it's just how it goes but otani signs a two-year eight, 8.5 million dollar deal it is quite simply to control his first two years of arb 
Um, and I get it from both the standpoints. As Honey guarantees himself eight million, he's been getting underpaid his whole career, even though he's been hurt. And the Angels get him if he has a breakout season this year, they get him for a, a great deal next year. Um, and I think that's all that there is to this. And then I like the, this deal. last year, we'll see how it goes. I like this deal for both of them. It makes sense. Uh, both of them have security. They don't have to go to court. You know, when, once you go to arbitration and you have to start trashing your player. I don't care how thick skinned you are. That shit hurts. You know, when you hear a team say, well, you don't do this well, you don't do that well. You're more closer yeah. to this player than that player. And Otani has the thinnest skin in major league. So you really don't want to put a little, a little guy like that into an argument. Yeah. This deal was perfect because they left that final year open. And so it's like, okay, if you want more money, show me. And then we'll, we'll give you, you know, that third year. And if not, he's a free agent after that anyway. But yeah. I like, I like how it was structured. I think it's, it's, Good, good value for both of them, you know, guaranteed money for Otani. So makes sense. It is perhaps the angels learn their lesson from like short, short balling uh, Mike Trout there in pre-arb back in the day. The day <laughs> Dude, dude's like an MVP. They're like, we're going to give you a $6,000 raise. <laughs> they clearly haven't learned their lesson because they're signing position players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, and hello, Kerry, welcome. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, those are some happenings. Now, here's the other happening, and this affects the NL East. Uh, it's a tough week. I mean, Mets fans won't cop to it, and it's not a big – it's not a huge deal, but they lose out on Trevor Bowery. He basically leaves him at the altar, in my mind. And then you have Mar Marcelo Zuna goes to the sleeping giant Braves over there, which, to me, is a bet they very sorely needed to make this move because I said it last year, and it bit me in the ass, but that Braves rotation is not deep. No. It's, it's good on the front end it's not deep they made it work last year in a short season we'll see how they do over 162 but if you're not going to have a deep rotation and the Braves have a good but not deep bullpen you definitely want a deep offense and Marcel Azuna does that for Atlanta uh, they're going to have to have some bodyguards who can catch for him in the outfield since there's no DH this year but other than that uh, you know that's a bat they needed so I think this is where I'm going to be kind of drop the ball again you know, you leave these teams hanging and you don't make up your mind about DH or no DH. Right now, there's no DH. I think everyone expects the, 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 the year to start with a DH in place, universal DH. Um, and I think they took a gamble with this, thinking that they're going to have universal DH. I, I don't believe that we're not going to have that DH spot when the season opens. I think they're bullshitting. And again, it's MLB screwing everyone else. But it's what they always do. But I like this deal for Atlanta. Keeps that offense potent. We're going to talk about it later, but I think there is a move for them that would separate them a little more from the Mets that I like a lot for them. So, Yeah, so Osuna, it is I, – I look at it again as far as it's a – he signed a four-year deal, but to me it's a one-year deal before he's a DH. Um, I think the Braves probably figure, look, he's not good at defense, but he's also not, like, blind. <laughs> we'll get by. Uh, Yankees do this with, like, four different positions, so they could do it with a corner outfielder. And then after that, everyone knows, I mean, it's such a bad, poorly kept secret. Everyone knows Universal DH is coming after this next CBA. Like that's going to be in the agreement. Um, and then Ozuna's your, your DH for the next three years, which great. You get his bat through the rest of his prime and he doesn't have to play the field and really, and you get to compete for a World Series this year with his bat in it. So the Braves got hell of value. I mean, was it 60 million? Yeah, four years, 64 million. Thank you, Rob. That's, um, that's value, man. That's a lot of value there. So yeah. It's worth the gamble. I'm sorry. That, that's insane value. 
It is. And Ozuna, one of the, mm-hmm. you knew when, when LeMahieu signed for about 35 million less than he was asking for, you knew what kind of winter it was going to be. Uh, Ozuna, I believe, was asking for 100 million. He signs for 64. I'm shocked he didn't just sign a one year deal. Yeah, I thought for sure there'd be more pillow deals. And I guess there have been like a decent amount of one year deals, but uh, some of these big time guys, like I thought Trevor Bauer might sign like a $50 million contract this year and then go hit free agency. He has the opt out, so it's not far off. But, um, but yeah, Ozuna committing the four years, that's this is his payday, and it's 64 million. That's an as usual for the Braves, great deal for Atlanta. Yeah. They just love sticking it to all of their players. And, they do it, uh, the players go for it. I mean, if I'm Osuna, I take a year and I head to market, and maybe one of those teams that were looking for offense at shortstop doesn't doesn't get it, and they come and you know put 85 million, you know, 100 million at his feet. So yeah, the other thing to keep in mind, not that I think Freddie Freeman's going anywhere, but I believe he's in a walk year. Um, so this is at least insurance as far as a middle of the order bet, but I fully expect Freeman to get extended and, and remain a brave for life. That's yeah, I can see Freeman as one of those guys, one team, you know, for the rest yeah. of your whole career. And they'll probably get him at a discount too, for that exact reason. So <laughs> you'll have Albies, Acuna, Ozuna, and yeah. Freeman, Acuna, and Freeman, those four guys, that's a really good set of four bats that you're getting for pennies on the dollar for all four of them, presumably. So Braves in a good spot as usual. This didn't put them over the hump in my mind as far as the Dodgers or Padres. Probably still the favorite of the NL East, but that's tight now with the Mets and even the Nationals. We'll get more on that when we go into our preseason predictions next month. Um, but that's a really, really good division this year. Phillies are no slouch either. I just don't think they're division winner, com- uh, you know, competitive. And the Marlins are, are still up and coming. They, they proved last year they're on the rise. So that's a really tough division. Ozuna helping the Braves stay afloat there. Um, shifting over. This involves my, my two favorite divisions in baseball. Uh, Oakland and Texas make a trade. And <laughs> Albert Almora goes, so sorry, when I mentioned Almora, I was referring to the Cubs, but it's actually Oakland. Uh, it's Almora over to Oakland. And no, I don't actually have. Um, um, Almora went to the Mets. It's going to the Mets with this in center field. Yeah, that's right. I'm combining. Yes. <laughs> so let's back up a second there. Yeah, I left out the Andrews part. That was, was what was confusing. All right, so Oakland acquires Elvis Andrews from Texas for Chris Davis. That was that deal, right? So here's the thing with that deal. that, that There's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah. So it was Elvis Andrews, um, Aramis Garcia, $13 million going back, and they get uh, Chris Davis, John Heim, and right-handed – Dane Acker. So there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of money changing hands. I don't like this deal for Oakland at all. I think they got worse. They got older. They got slower on both sides of the ball. I don't like this for them at all. They I got kind of like Andrews in that stadium only because he's not a home run hitter at all. And he's very fast and there's a lot of ground out there, you know, but you know what happened here is the shortstop carousel stopped the minute Didi signed his deal. Yeah. Oakland was left holding their dicks and yeah. without a shortstop. It's a fair way to look for it. I mean, Andrews by no means is the guy I would be targeting if I'm looking for a shortstop to replace Simeon, but uh, that's who they land with. Now, 
Texas is going for the most strikeouts in outfield history, I'm guessing, with Chris Davis over there along with Joey Gallo. I mean, that that puts every team, including the Yankees, to shame with Judge and Stanton. You so, know, it's funny. I, I, I didn't have – I didn't keep it up, but I, I wanted to look up what his numbers were in Arlington, and I thought they would be good, and they're not. They're not that good. I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to see it from Texas' point of view because I, I agree with you. It's not a great deal for Oakland when you're a world, when you're supposed to be a World Series contender, but I also don't really understand it from Texas. It's just a weird trade to me. When was the last time Texas made a move that made sense? <laughs> 2010 is my guess, 2011. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't think this necessarily also signifies anything for either team. Texas has kind of been in that weird wheel of mediocrity that seems to inflict AL West teams in particular, like the Mariners for the last 20 years. And Oakland, I don't think this really does anything for them. It also doesn't ind- indicate anything. All Oakland did here was fill a void at shortstop, and they didn't do it well because, like I said, they got older, slower on both sides of the ball. And they save some money, which is what Oakland does. You know, they're, they're still yeah, the favorites we, in the West. You know, they're, they're not trading everyone else. They're still the favorites. They're still going to compete in that division. But I just, they needed a shortstop. They needed an upgrade and they didn't do it. For that, you yeah, just, let me know. Simeon. Comment section seems to agree with us between weird trade and also, yes, I agree. 400 strikeouts. That's what I'm going to be watching for Texas this year. Can their outfielders, two outfielders, Gallo and Davis, get 400 strikeouts? That would very much impress me. Um, Gallo's been better. Yeah, well, not last year, but yeah, <laughs> 2019, he had a good year. Um, so I, I let us know what you think of the, of this trade, like try and justify it too in the comment section. I don't, I really legitimately don't know what this does, even you from a contract to, standpoint. You have to know Reaganomics to understand this deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I agree with you though. Oakland's a contender in, in the AL West almost by default. The Mariners have a stacked form, but it's by no means ready to like blast onto the scene yet. Texas is mediocre. And the Astros, as I've been saying for three years now, or this is it. This is their last hurrah. After this, you lose Granky, you lose Verlander, who's not going to pitch this year anyway. Correa. You lost Springer. You lose Osuna. Correa. You, uh, you lose Correa. Yeah, so this is it. They're not recovering from that with a farm that they basically emptied to get Granky. That was the final push from them. You've got Forrest Whitley. You've got Preston Tucker uh, or Kyle Tucker and – that's about it. So uh, they're done after this year. And then that leaves the Angels, who are very much like the Mariners and Rangers in that they just can't get their shit together and get over mediocrity. So I'm with you. Oakland's the only team that at least has a direction where they can compete for a playoff spot every year. And I don't I see just, that. I, I just wish they made a deal and, and got a shortstop, whether it was Didi or at this point you bring back Simeon. I mean, Elvis Andrus on that team, I don't like it at all. Yeah, I think Didi would have been – I don't like that combo, but I agree with you. Like, they needed a caliber like Didi instead of Elvis Andrews. This is a weird move. But, uh, you know, talk more about it. We'll flip over to the one I got wrong before. That's Al Mora going to the Mets, um, which I guess is replacing long-term injured failure Ligaris, who, like we said, is on the Angels. So, I don't – Al Mora, I, I mean, fourth outfielder, from what I understand out of Cubs world, from the many Cubs fans who commented, he is actually not that great of a defender. No, he's and not. I know he's not a good bet. <laughs> so, I don't – If I was the Mets, I would have probably offered Lagares the same deal he ended up signing, a minor league deal, just come into camp. Um, 
I hope this isn't the end of the Mets pursuit of Jackie Bradley because to me that that marriage is just too perfect. I was just going to say perfect, perfect for that team. This trade and the Lagaris deal, not so much the Lagaris deal, but we can argue the Fowler trade. Those two moves to me mean Jackie Bradley's still asking for way more money than he's going to get. Um, and there's another guy. He last I heard four years, 60 million. And that's the asking price on JBJ. In my mind, JBJ is the best fourth outfielder in all of baseball. I don't think he has the bet. I mean, he's been in Fenway too, which granted not a lefty park, but still AL East bunch of hitter parks. Fenway is a hitter park. It's not necessarily a slugger park for lefties, but Bradley's not a slugger. Here's the problem with, with Jackie. Jackie is such a good defender that this is why I say him and the Mets are perfect. You put him in center field in the Mets, you don't need him to hit. Yes. Your job is to prevent runs, keep my pitching staff's ERA low, keep balls in the park, catch everything that's hit in your vicinity. That is your job. That lineup is fucking loaded as it is. They don't, yeah. they'll bat him eighth or ninth, and they should be happy with that. He is just too perfect for that team. I hope they don't stop pursuing him. I think they say, look, asshole. We're your last. We're your last real option. You're not getting sixty million dollars. We'll give him three years. I think a three-year deal was good for him. I'd offer him twenty-five for three years. I mean, that's probably still an overpaid. But that team, that player, it's just way too perfect to not happen, in my opinion. I JBJ is in for rude awakening. Uh, he is. I would slightly take him. We've had this conversation. I know you disagree with me. I would slightly take him over Brett Gardner at this juncture in their careers. Um, (laughs) Jay, though, to me, is a fourth outfielder, and he's a defensive first outfielder, which makes his market even worse. I wouldn't go further than like 218, maybe 220 with him, and he's asking for 60. We already know from the rest of these deals – He'll be lucky if he gets 30 million in any sort of context, two years, 30 million, three years, 30 million, four years, 30 million, whatever it is, he should take it and run. Cause that's the absolute most I can see him getting. I say, I think three and a quarter is a perfect deal for him. It lowers the AAV. It, not only that, it has such a domino effect on the Mets. You move Brandon Nimmo over to left field. So he's a shitty center fielder. I don't care what Sean says. He's a shitty center fielder. <laughs> you move him over to left field. He's he's a good left fielder now. Then you take Dom Smith, who's an eh left fielder, and you move him to first base, who's a pretty good first baseman, and you move Peter Alonso, who can't move for shit, and you put him at DH. What and do you do with J.D. Davis? Plays third base. Okay. What about – and McNeil's over at second now, right? Second. I mean, it, McNeil's in his – Yeah, yeah, whatever. Rosario, so that, that makes sense. Look, that team is loaded with bats and a lot of guys playing out of position. That yeah. one move has a domino effect and it makes everything better. I think he's a good fit. I kind of have JBJ going to the NL East. I had him. I think my preseason prediction was the Nationals. Um, and it was kind of in the same ilk, just that fourth outfielder guy who can glue the defensive aspects together. Um, but the Mets absolutely make sense too. And that's a guy maybe they can wait out and get around spring training. Yeah, um, I had him I had him going to the Astros, which is still a possibility because they need a center fielder yeah. too. But the Mets make too much too much sense in my opinion and, you know Mets missing out on Springer Astros when and they got Brantley back at a, at a song um so yeah I mean that that opening is there for the Mets uh we're both on the same page that they could use another outfielder so uh, like an outfielder who slots in correctly they need a center fielder 
Yeah, there is no DH to answer the the comment. There's no DH this year. It's pretty much guaranteed after this. And I don't. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily not going to happen this year. Just yeah, probably. I I think it'll happen at the last minute. Which, like I said, shame on MLB. Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of shame, uh, I think this is the first time Carlos has joined in the, in the chat section. Well, last time was when we established that was Carlos. <laughs> that, was, that was it. So this is, yeah, second time. Hello, Felipe, and hello, Jake, uh, and hello, Jake. So every everyone joining in. This is our second wind of Dong City at this point. We got Aaron in there too. Um, yeah, just, let's put a bow on it. Jackie Bradley, stop your shit. Go to the Mets and and, and be a contender and stop bullshitting and asking for sixty million dollars. You fucking nuts. Yeah, Aaron saying JBJ to the Cubs, which I understand the vacuum, but if I'm the Cubs, I'm not spending on anything to compete. They don't need to because the NL Central is so bad, and they themselves are also really bad and should be acquiring talent. And you know what? Deal. Jackie Bradley Jr. deserves the Cubs for action for $60 million. Yeah, that should be like the – that he's they're like the Rangor of MLB right now. Like that's where you should go for punishment. If, um, if you're Jackie so Bradley and you can play on the Mets – which team is fucking loaded. They got a new ownership. Fan base is reinvigorated. Or you can go to the Cubs where everything is burning slowly. Where yeah. would you go? Take the David Price route. Go join. Go get a ring while you do very little. <laughs> they both won their ring already with the Red Sox. So you get a second one pretty easily here. Jackie join Bradley, Mookie. stop your shit and go sign with the Mets. <laughs> it's, yeah, Price gets Mookie. Maybe uh, maybe JBJ can go over the Mets and, and go with some former teammate. Um, but now to our segment of shame, which I'm very excited about. This touches on almost every team that just annoys the shit out of me. Um, and I'll preface it by saying the Angels were supposed to be on this on this segment, but instead we talked about them early. Nelson Cruz, going back to the Twins. He'll go there until he retires. I mean, he's going to do a one-year deal thing until he either gets popped with yeah. steroids and is like, screw this, I'm going to retire. Again. Yeah, <laughs> again. Or, uh, or he just, you know, starts to suck. But so far, he hasn't sucked thanks to the steroids. So what is he, 42, 43? I mean... Yeah, he's uh, he's like the poorest of poor men Brady's over there, just hitting his 30 to 40 home runs a year until he's 60. He's got this slight David Ortiz charm. He's not, like, overly lovable, but you don't hate him. You know, he says there he's got a nice big smile. He mashes all day, and everyone loves him, and everyone forgot that he got popped for steroids. Yeah. I know. It's amazing how some of these guys just like skirt by in the court of public opinion, Nelson Cruz being one of them. And it's so funny because you didn't need to know he used steroids, know he used steroids. I tell you what, though, I know you're not big on them, but the Twins team, man, that, that twin, Twins team, I, I know you're not big on them. And I'm I, not going down this road. This is why I'm not going to go down this route with you again, because you tried to talk me in in 2019 uh, I was 20, right in 2019. You tried to talk me into them being a threat to the Yankees in the playoffs, and they were the furthest thing from it. And I'm not, they could win 120 games this year, and they're still not going to win a second playoff game. I, I don't, I, I don't love their rotation. It's Maeda and oh, then a bunch of, it, it has Maeda and then a bunch of fours. But yo, that team is stacked, man, with, with hitters. They, these dudes can hit. Of course they can. It's They've been able to hit for years until the playoffs. Then they face the Astros dog shit rotation and they can't do shit. Hopefully they don't draw the Yankees because that's like their kryptonite. But fuck, you look at that team and they, they should be fucking good. 
Of course they should be good. And they, it's not just the Yankees. The Astros now prove this. I thought because I, I picked the Astros to beat them just on the fact that I have no respect for their existence whatsoever. But I thought that would be a series and they even proved they can't beat them. And they were terrible. I'm not saying I don't, I, I don't get it. I get what you're saying, but I look at that team and I look at that depth chart and I'm like, it geez, should come together one day. Loaded, man. I don't even, I don't know. This is it. The Twins are the opposite for, for, like, almost all of my sports teams. Like, very rarely – maybe the Yankees right now are the best example for me. But very rarely are my teams loaded and then just do nothing. Usually they're not very loaded and completely under the radar, and then they win instead. But the Twins – I don't know how I'd feel as a fan. I mean, this team can hit 300 home runs. We need they're to have, they have run to have, away with the Central in theory. we got to have Nyland on the show. He, he loves his Twins. And the, yeah, and then they'll just get swept in the first round every year like clockwork. I, they are, this is, it's like you're a very hot, attractive man and you have a supermodel wife and like you just watch her have sex with everyone else for eternity. That's I've what seen, it's like being. I've a seen a few points like that. <laughs> yeah, they are the ultimate cuck in the whole history of cucks. It is the twins, except they're attractive. They're not like some pathetic, like, you know, I don't know ugly guy that's what i think of when i think of that's how little respect i have for the twins they just constantly watch their hot wife have sex with everyone i I get it man but i I just i I can't let go of that kind of talent on that team i just can't i I know you're 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 into the twins they're they're like the padres for you with rob i can't ignore it (laughs) look i'll i'll give you a they they need more pitching i i'm not sold on that rotation I'll give you an olive. Pineda slots in as your number three, and you have to pencil him in for 20 starts, 30 starts. Yeah, this is the only olive branch I'll give you. My seduction last year was the Reds, and they didn't score a single run in the playoffs. So, And they blew uh, everything up the, the next year. Yeah, yeah. now they're completely just – I like, what's the point of even pulling for them if they're just going to do this to me? They're, they're out. I'll think of something new next year. Just trade for um, to New York and call it a day. <laughs> Maybe the Mets will be my NL team now. We'll see. Um, one team, one sport, goddammit. <laughs> as long as it's on the same league, I'm okay with these, like, two-teamer guys, except Felipe is, like, seven teams. Um, here, so moving along with that, now just a team I respect immensely and just don't like, and that's the Rays. But it connects to a team I don't respect and also don't like, and that's the Pirates. So the Pirates – Before we continue – I called this move that I not. You did. You did. And it's such a great move to call and be proud of yourself for because it just, the pirates have completed the ultimate assholery of MLB. And that is they gave up their entire franchise for Chris Archer, by the way, for absolutely no reason, because they were not in a, in a position to compete for a title. And that's a move you made at the time to compete. Um, they give up Glassnell, they give up Austin Meadows, who now have helped eliminate the Yankees from the playoffs. So an extra F you to the Pirates for Chris Archer, who is then terrible because the Pirates have no idea how to control pitching. Like they just, they're still stuck in like 1999 for pitching strategy. They have no analytics because they're pathetic. They somehow have these prospects that they just give away for free anyway, and then they become great. And, uh, and then they trade Chris Archer for basically nothing back to the race. So that that's complete. They essentially gutted their team for no reason. This is the equivalent of just kicking your own ass. Basically, they're the guy in Fight Club who – they're Ed Norton in Fight Club just punches himself out. They're Ken Giles. 
<laughs> yeah, they are. They are the Ken Giles. Who is still a free agent by some yeah. people? Maybe they'll uh, sign him for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. At that, at the time, I was frustrated because I wouldn't have traded Chris Archer for one of those guys straight up, let alone both of them. <laughs> yeah, and you get more expensive if you're the Pirates at the time. The shit made no sense. The rate. What do I always say? If you trade with the Rays, just know you took an L. Now Chris Archer is going to go back to the Rays. It's going to tuck his tail between his legs because he talked a lot of shit, by the way. Yeah. He's going to go back there, and you know what's going to happen. He's going to have a Charlie Morton type year. It's, it, you can just see it happening. It's what they do. It's they, they get these reclamation projects. They fix them. They sign them on the low, or they trade them for high values. So the Rays always win. That's actually my biggest concern because the Rays trade Snell. We're not shocked that happened based on how last year played out. It's kind of one of those things that happens from time to time. They let Charlie Morton walk and you're like, okay, the Rays, like, you know, it's one thing to have three starters and then use their bullpen and analytics to like still have the best pitching in baseball and, and get to the world series. It's another thing when you lose two of your three front end starters and now they're down to glass now who is going to be on an innings limit. I mean, he's not completely built up either. Um, didn't have like a fantastic year last year, even though the year before he was dominant. And then they just do this little under-the-radar trade with Chris Archer, who everyone assumes is done, coming from the Pirates. He didn't have great numbers. He missed the rest of the year last year. Um, so you just assume they must be so high on Chris Archer not to have replaced Morton or Snell that, yeah, you're scared shitless. This is a, You thought they lost the Jose Martinez trade, and they go and get Randy Rosarena, who then carries them in the playoffs instead. I'm going to pull a page out of uh... – our total total basis podcast guys. Chris Archer's a guy to watch in fantasy watch. Just just I can see it now. Oh, I'd I'd totally take him like as that one of those last round because no one's gonna draft him. One of those last round guys, I would totally take him. Absolutely. No questions asked. By the way, Larry Rodriguez is on crack thinking the Reds are gonna win the central. What? It's just not gonna happen. There's the Reds are such a I'm, I'm very annoyed with them. There's trouble in paradise. That's all I have to say. Say no to drugs, Larry. Yeah. Um, and I hate to say this too to Cubs fans, but the Cardinals are going to win the Central. There's a spoiler alert. They're going to win it in rub it in the Cubs' face, and they're going to be the most boring division winner ever, as no, they are funny. always. Real quick, just to touch on that, I didn't mention it earlier, but I had it on my notes. A reason I didn't get the Arenado trade is because the Cardinals were already the favorites in that division. There was no need yeah. for them to go get Arenado and add that money on. So it's just icing on the cake for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and congratulations to the Cardinals. They're the only ones who made any sort of move to be competitive this year in that entire division. So Being the favorite already. Yeah, already as the favorite. So good for them. Um, oh, Larry's doubling down. Guarantee it. He says some crazy stuff sometimes. I don't know what I what I, there's something about that guy. He just he says crazy stuff from time to time, and I don't know how to quantify it. And uh, this is one of them. He thinks he really thinks the Reds are going to win the Central. Larry, we will have you on the show to gloat at the end of the season if the Reds win the Central. That's how confident I am that you are wrong. And I'm not even going to make a prediction, even though I did. Cardinals won the division, um, but that's not really uh, reinventing the wheel. So anyway. Archer gone from the Pirates. They have like a 12 cent payroll. Everything they do is criminal. They are total poison for the entire sport. It should really be addressed in the next CBA and it won't. 
because Tony Clark's an idiot. And uh, and that's what we're going to see. They'll, they'll never take care of the little man and the pirates just spend their entire existence exploiting the little man. That's basically how I see it. So yeah, other deals, Sean Doolittle signing a deal. I was so lazy. I didn't even look up where he signed. <laughs> where did he go? That deal pissed me off. Why? That deal pissed me off because he only got $1.5 million in performance bonus. I'm like, come on. That's a guy that you, you for that, for 1.5, he just helped the Nationals win a championship just two years ago. He went to the Reds. Oh, that's there why I didn't pay attention Confirmed. to him. Confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God, Larry, you're in bed with Sean Doolittle. I mean, the, I division winner confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, that's, um, that's a good deal for the Reds because at 1.5 million, you have nothing to lose. You get a closer, and when trade deadline comes, you have a valuable asset that people are going to want. Yeah, he's essentially replacing Iglesias, who they traded, and he gets to join Garrett back there at the back of their bullpen. Um, Great deal. I do little fits that criteria I had. Once I figured out the Yankees were going to be absolutely cheap after a pandemic and not try and win the World Series as much as they can, I do little's a guy I absolutely would have taken a flyer on, just like Kluber, just like Tellian. I, I mentioned Ken Giles earlier. I, I think he ends up on the Yankees. I would, I'm not a fan of Ken Giles, but I do think that'd be a good signing. Yeah. He, he would be fine there. Anyone with velocity at this point, you're going to take and hope they, they pan out. And Giles has that. And he's got an AL East experience. So. And they'll yeah. be playing that, him punching himself in the face over and over and over at the stadium because they already do it now. <laughs> you know, that's the only way he can probably rid himself of that is if he joined the Yankees because they're not going to like embarrass their own player. But otherwise, every. How many times I've seen that on the big screen at Yankee games? It's one of the funniest clips. I've at also, least it's so fulfilling times. too. Yeah. It, yeah, at least twenty times we've seen it. Well, it's one of the few times the Astros weren't cheating, and uh, <laughs> that's what made it so fulfilling. Is like, yeah, when they don't cheat, they punch themselves in the face. It's great. So we talked about JBJ's market. Um, I'm really feeling an NL, an NL East sense, whether it's the Mets or whoever. Jose Ramirez was uh, in the rumor mill. I don't know how much. This is one of those things where it seems like other teams are more interested in acquiring him than the Indians are necessarily of trading him. So I don't know if there's actual smoke or if there's actual fire to this smoke. That's the world. Um, oh, this team is shopping so-and-so. And shopping means that Vince called up and said, hey, would you take an offer on this guy? Yeah. And the GM says, I'm listening. And next thing you know, you're shopping your player. Right. It's uh, so I don't I don't know how much validity there is in Jose. There's no reason for the Indians. They already have like a thirty four million dollar payroll. There's no reason for them to trade a cost controlled perennial MVP candidate. Um, but that said, I know that the Braves apparently there's been rumors with him. They want to trade their farm and get him and Adam, which would be great for them, I think. Uh, but really, Jose would be great anywhere. So tell me your thoughts. If Jose Ramirez is traded somewhere, where can you see him going? This is my pecking order for Jose Ramirez. The Braves, that's it. Because that's there's it. no better fit than the Braves. What no. about what about the Dodgers? The Braves. The Braves <laughs> need him more than anyone else right now. And I think he just fits yes. perfectly. He's a very Braves type move. They are saving money and every other fucking position on the diamond and can afford to extend him. It just makes too much sense. The same way Jackie Bradley Jr. to the Mets makes sense. 
Jose Ramirez to Atlanta makes way too much sense. I, uh, I'm up and down with that because on one end, I absolutely, Jose Ramirez is being paid pennies on the dollar. So in that sense, he is a perfect fit for the Braves. This is what they do. In the other sense, when was last time the Braves really like went for it on the trade market and actually traded market value for a good player? They didn't have to. They don't have to typically. They're, the Braves right. are really smart. We're bringing up their own guys. But the Indians aren't going to trade Ramirez at a don't have to price. They're they're going to want like a big package for him. Look, they they botched the Lindor trade, and and the Braves are not going with Austin Riley at their base. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Yeah. What about Camargo? He's still over there, right? Uh, yeah, but I think uh, let me see. Hold on. You think your boy Maddie Chapman maybe if Oakland wants to turn around and uh, why and would Oakland do that? Oh, Oakland, you pencil Oakland in for the division. I have no. I don't think the Braves are going to make a trade for a big player, so I don't think it's going to happen either way. But I, I maybe. think they, you may be right. But I think if they did, then the Braves are the destination for him. I don't see Austin Riley starting third base in um, Atlanta. I'm sorry, I don't. By the way, wait, Jake Hibbert, I'm addressing you in this case. Your Cubs are not going to do anything exciting or remotely satisfying for you this winter and probably not next winter. And I really hate to break that to you in like an educational sort of way. Um, you're not getting Jose Ramirez. <laughs> I don't even think the Cubs have the pieces to get Jose Ramirez. So I disagree. The Cubs will bring back Addison Russell at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll concede that point. That's possible. Uh, you're not getting Jose Ramirez. And yeah, I mean, outside of the Braves and it, Look, he makes sense for the Dodgers. Brewers. He makes sense for the Dodgers. Brewers. Um, you say yes, the Dodgers. I, I just I, I don't another see. team. I don't think that they'll give up the uh, the horses for Dodgers. Can give up the horses, and it won't really affect them that much. And you got the hole from Justin Turner because you just signed Bauer. So payroll wise, it makes sense. My only issue with the Dodgers is a, they absolutely don't need to do this deal, and B, uh, you still have Gavin Lux and I always forget this guy's name. Rios, Edward Rios. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they they've got pieces there. They're doing the DJ LeMahieu Yankees thing. Justin Turner's bullshit, and he's going back to LA. It's the only place for him. Stop your shit. That's also a good point. He uh, he may very well sign a very team friendly contract because I don't know what his market would be. Either. He makes too much sense. He you know reestablished his career after the Mets botched him, made himself into a nice household name, a fan favorite. Just makes sense. Go stay where you are. You won a chip there. You gave everybody COVID. You know. <laughs> that's right i completely forgot about that yeah thanks justin turner uh so let's move into our final segment here and this is mlb news so mlb we'll start with the uh more boring one and then get into our final topic mlb has come out with an article today from fox sports they're finalizing a revised grapefruit league schedule so I think one of our first pieces of information as far as how actual spring training would work in COVID-riddled Florida and Arizona, although those infection rates are going down in both states right now, which is good good news. Um, teams will be placed in separate pods on east and west coasts of Florida, which is not that different from how spring training normally works, so I'm not sure what that means. West Coast teams in Florida will play 28 games. East Coast teams in Florida will play 24 games and four intra-squad matchups. So actually what this tells me, I'm just reading this for the first time where it makes sense. They're cutting Arizona out of spring training, it seems like. Which is sad. So we get everything now here in Florida. Um, I don't know. What strikes me here is I didn't know Florida had that many stadiums to be able to take all of them, LB. 
You crazy? <laughs> so, are you crazy? How many little league stadiums do you guys have over there? Or the, the, the high school? High school? I'd say little league, but I mean, yeah. you know, but I generally travel. Yeah, my son's baseball team was traveling to, to Florida to play games. You guys That's have true. We don't have the spring training facilities, but I think if you put in colleges and high schools and all that, yeah, they can probably a ton of fields, yeah. So, so there you go. So I've got my pick of the litter here. Anyone wants to come down and visit for a spring training COVID trip, feel free. You mentioned Florida, and I, I would be remiss to not mention the funniest meme I've seen all day. It was one of the uh, the weekend's dancers that had the face covering. Yeah. Face. And it said, this is the most anyone has wore a mask in Florida since the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> that was my good. favorite weekend meme so far. That is very good. Yeah. I, well, I was laughing because people were talking about how they're like, the streets of Tampa right now, no one's wearing a mask and they're out partying. I'm like, have you been to Tampa in the last year? Because that's not really that different. There's just more of them. I always say how much I love Ybor City. And we know why. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of talent there. Yeah, a ton of talent in Ebor City. So then I turn on the news and I see all these people in Ebor City. I'm like, of course, it's fucking Ebor City. That's where the young and dumb go. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, for those of you who know what what Mons Venus is, there, uh, I mean, don't go there during during the pandemic because you're talking about seven thousand people in like seven square foot area the pictures uh, and videos we saw it's not, it looked like there was seven thousand people on the streets of ybor city this weekend yeah it would worry me i do plan on going there in a couple of months but i'm thinking that it won't by, be like, by yourself yeah <laughs> yes uh well with my guy friend same thing um so yeah so that so looks like spring training as of now now we saw this last year where it was going to be in a florida bubble then arizona bubble then a california bubble or whatever and none of that happened and none of it happened. Uh, bullshit. yeah so we'll, we'll see if it happens i'm also still by the way not to be a truther here not convinced we're having spring training on time at all so we'll, we'll see if that happens we don't have a schedule uh, we don't have a date for pitches and, and catches to report no, we have no idea usually it would be a week from now and we have not had any updates there so that's my biggest red flag and we still don't have a universal DA set in stone. Yeah, and we don't entirely have like an amicable agreement on how the rules will work this year either. And some of those rules, not necessarily universal DH, but some of the rules like double headers, seven inning double headers, and uh, seven inning double headers. Yes, runner starting on second. No, right, like that type of stuff. You could just, I guess, play by normal rules, but I think that would be foolish because COVID is still a thing. There are people who could still test positive. They're not going to be vaccinated in the early part of the season, and uh, and that could screw up scheduling. So it would be nice if they really did agree on some of that stuff together. I think we got a little What's breaking it? news. What's that? Uh, something that surprises no one. Yadier Molina and the Cardinals agree to a deal. Oh, man, shocking. What do we have terms? No terms. No terms. Okay. Says Man, deal or, uh, is done and no one is surprised because that's where he belongs. I can't think of their catcher of the future off the top of my head, but that guy <laughs> just is never gonna get a shot. And he's so good. Um anyway, Schneider, maybe. So that's your MLB spring training alignment. Now the other news here that just this just came out today a few hours ago. MLB is deadening allegedly deadening the baseball for this year. So this means a few things. One is that it implies it was not normal the last couple of years, 
which everyone in the world knew and MLB was like, well, it depends how tightly wound the ball is. No, like we knew when you start hitting 300 home runs and shattering records, multiple teams in a season at a time, there's probably something going on. And now we know what it is. So they're going to deaden the ball. Now they claim anything over 375 feet is going to be deadened by an average of two feet, um, which only affects really home runs. I also think it's complete bullshit and not a real stat. No, you can't quantify that until the shit starts happening. Right. Just like they couldn't quantify and come to a conclusion on how much the balls were reduced to begin with. I also think it's stupid because you want to appeal to a, lot, a younger fan base. Fans love offense. They just love offense. They love home runs. They love everything about the offensive part of the game. And what do you do to get young fans? You fuck with the ball to reduce offense. It's stupid. I do wonder, though, if this is a mini step in the direction of trying to get out of the three outcome game that they've been playing, which I think is bad for fans, even new fans. So at least in that sense, if you make home runs harder to hit, which we know MLB won't go far enough to do this anyway, but if they did do this appropriately and it made it harder to hit for home runs, maybe they start thinking about making just hard contact in the gaps again and, and not necessarily swinging for the fences on every pitch, but everything is launch angle. I disagree. That would just change the, that's what I mean. They did launch angle because of shifts and things like that, that make hitting harder in the ballpark. So they want to circumvent that. But if you make that more difficult, maybe it regresses a little, but that said, I don't think MLB will execute any of this correctly anyway. You and Bushnell can go to hell with the banning the shift. Leave my shift alone. <laughs> Bushnell is on Team Mercandetti here. Leave we know what the, shift what the poison is in this if sport. If you don't like the shift, beat it. They do with launch angle. That's the problem. <laughs> don't leave my shift alone. Um, by the way, I, strategy. I cracked up about this. Apparently five teams are planning on adding humidors, which I think brings it to 10 in total. And of those five teams, I only saw three names. Now one is the Rockies who I thought was already doing this anyway. So that's they no, do. They, yeah. The other two are the Mets and Red Sox, which Mets I don't have a strong opinion on, but the Red Sox, mark my words. I said this earlier in a private conversation the Red Sox will get caught with a scandal with this within five years. Okay. I have no doubt in my mind they are going to doctor opposing balls so they don't travel as far as the home runs, the home ones, and they're going to get in a scandal because the Red Sox basically try and cheat any chance they get in anything, and this will be another extension of that. So a team in New England doctoring baseballs or balls Correct. in general? Yeah, balls in general. I mean, we... Yeah, we've seen this in every major sport they have. Anytime there can be any sort of loophole where they can play dumb, their stupid fans are going to support it and be like, well, everyone does it. And they're going to try and get an advantage. That's just what Boston teams do. Red Sox have done it. They've done it several times with their Apple Watch relay systems and been caught for it. This will just be a new thing. Um, I don't know how I have. I know nothing about these details. I don't know how they're going to monitor how humid the or how lack of humidity the balls are, or, or how they're going to monitor this. But the Red Sox will find a way to screw screw this up for everyone until they figure out how to do that, just like they did with the relay system. Yep. You know what saved the Red Sox in that scandal? The Astros. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
So anyway, that's uh, that. I just found it funny. The Red Sox were like immediately like, yeah, we're definitely going to do that in very humid Boston. Uh, in you know what, like it's humid in Boston. What in July and August? So that's about it. So just funny to me. That's but um, should be a nice segue. Yeah, into our final segment, which is speaking of smaller, less balls, uh, Dustin Pedroia. <laughs> Congratulations to him. He's announced his his retirement. Three years um, later. You know, great career. If you're a guy and you're under six feet, Dustin Pedroia for a long time was probably your inspiration to be a professional athlete. So I will give him that. Um, fantastic in his prime. One of the better hitters in baseball. One of the more dangerous hitters in baseball. Definitely one of the peskiest hitters in baseball. Um, he's been retired for most of us the last few years. He couldn't stay healthy, never got over his knee knee problems. You expect this out of small guys. They just don't last long. Altuve will absolutely be next. But um, great career for Pedroia. I don't personally think he's a Hall of Famer, but I think he is in that Hall of Very Good. He had a really strong career. Yeah, I, I respect the hell out of Petey. Hell of a performer. You know, um, when we went against him, you just knew he would get a big hit. He beat the shit out of that um, wall in you know, left field in Boston. My problem with Petey is that he went from really good and underrated to overrated really fast. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about him in the Hall of Fame, and I'm like, stop. Enjoy his career for what it was. It was a really good career. The guy was amazing to watch, competitor, great defender, pound for pound, one of the best players we've had in a while. Believe it at that because they start to overrate him and they start trying to compare him to other players and he did this and he did that and he got an MVP. It just it's too much and and they oversaturating what his career truly was. Very good player, fun to watch, but he's nowhere near Hall of Fame worthy. Rock solid. This may be a little insulting him, but he's like a Red Sox version of Willie Randolph. Like he's a you know Yankee fans loved Willie Randolph. He was clutch. He did everything you asked. He played hard. He won a couple titles. Um, you love him as a, as a Yankee fan, Red Sox, Pedroia, better player than Randolph, but he was that, like he did everything right. You couldn't ask for more from him, but at the end of the day, his, his prime was not dominant enough to be a hall of famer and it didn't last long enough to be a hall of famer. So he's not a hall of famer. Yeah. He's not nothing wrong with that. Like you said, his career was always dwarfed by others on his own team, let alone the division. I mean, Yeah. Now, Jacob Moses, real quick, schooling me, Yvonne Herrera is technically the Cardinals' top catching prospect now. That is not who I meant. There is a guy who's major league ready. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, that guy was going to be ready, and then they signed Matt Wieters, and now they signed Yadier Molina back, so the dude just never gets his chance. Anyway, um, so happy retirement to Dustin Pedroia. Here's the big announcement uh, as we sign off here. The uh, so here's our schedule for the rest of February. We're going to take another two week break until we head towards the end of February. So, February 22nd will be our next show. Um, but after that, we'll have two weeks of updates February 22nd. We will be back weekly after that. So, what that means is 3 1 March 1st, we'll have a show, and this is what we want to do. And we're going to start spreading it within baseball life. We want to do finally, because this has never been done appropriately in baseball life, the ultimate baseball movie bracket in honor of March Madness. We want to put together a baseball version of a bracket. Um, we got a pretty good volume watching right now, so it's a nice time to announce it. 
We want to do a movie bracket starting 3-1. That will take up our 3-1 and 3-8 shows more than likely because I think we're probably going to get up to like 32 movies because there's been so many movies out there in baseball. Um, me, Henry, and Rob, in this case, are going to break down those movies, make our selections. We want to hear from the fans as well. And we also we want to bring in a couple of guests for both of those shows so they can uh, tag along too. So that's next. We're going to introduce this here over this coming week to get it started so we can start getting some votes out there for the fans. And then we'll explain kind of how the bracket works, but you can probably imagine we're going to go from 32, if it is 32, down to like eight. And then we'll probably do the eight on, on the last show on three, eight. So three, one movie bracket show in honor of March Madness. Don't want to step on the step backs toes for actual March Madness, which is usually in April. So that'll be a good time to do it. And then after that, We'll get into our preseason predictions as we get into spring training there and uh, and headed into the regular season, presuming that it happens. So that's the big announcement. I'm excited. For it. No, yep. I'm excited for it. We're in February and then right after the Super Bowl, it kind of dies out until March Madness. So this is like a, a dead period. Um, yep. Your dead ball yep. era, I guess. But yeah, I'm excited for this. Good time to do it. There's probably yeah. some baseball movies I'll watch between now and then brush up again. You guys have some suggestions of who, what you'd like to see in there. Throw them in the comment section. Shoot us a message. Let us know. Yeah. So primarily, this is how I'm envisioning it. Subject to change. We haven't really discussed it yet. But I want to have you guys come up with the movies that will be involved. Um, we'll do it based on voting and, and whatever most popular is. If we have to fill in the blanks after that, we will based on like IMDB ratings or whatever. Um, but then in addition to that, we will then make our selections and we also want to have you guys make your selections. We'll see how much they match up, uh, and we'll come to the ultimate conclusion here. So, um, but we're going to discuss it in, in detail. So if you are a big movie fan, you're definitely going to tune in. If you're a baseball fan, you're going to tune in. And if you're not a member of pop culture life, this is a great time to mention you should join pop culture life where we like discussing movies. So shoot that plug. And yeah. by the way, I think the person you're talking about is Carson Kelly. It was him. It, and he got, tra he got traded. He got traded to the Diamondbacks. Yeah, maybe it is. Uh, I'm just going to give up on that angle because I'm never going to feel content with what I have here. Uh, I'm taking one shot at it to look real quick at uh, at this dynasty league, see if I can locate him. But other than Carson that, Carson Kelly. I'm telling you, it was Carson Kelly. It, I mean, I know Carson Kelly was a big to, uh, Knitzer, <laughs> Andrew Knitzer, that's who it is. Uh, Andrew Knitzer was like the heir apparent, and he's major league ready. And last year they signed Matt Weeders to be the backup catcher. So until one of them was out with injury, he didn't get much playing time. And now they brought Yachty back. So I don't know what the plan is. Maybe they see him as a backup now. Um, Anyway, so 3-1 Movie Bracket Show. That's going to do it for us here on Dong City. Tune into Dong City again, two weeks, 222. Uh, tune into the Audible. Now that the Super Bowl's over, they're moving to once a week on Tuesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern time. So they're on tomorrow to wrap up the Super Bowl and some other stuff. And uh, Step Back, as you know, is Wednesdays, Wednesday night as well. So, uh, yeah, baseball, football, basketball, back-to-back worked shoot wrestling that is our wrestling podcast they're on thursdays so you really have your choice every night of a new sport uh, monday through thursday and then of course we've got our friends at total bases um on sundays so there you go full slate of podcasts join us in two weeks we'll be back start thinking about those baseball movies you want to include this has been dong city 
everyone have a great night. Strong city, bitches. <laughs>